Hello friends and welcome. This is the Lego Milestone, a space where we'll unearth life-changing stories, where we'll ask different faces in the legal profession about their successes, how they dealt with failure, growth, and other experiences on this legal journey. We're hopeful that through these stories, we'll see how to make it possible for all those who wish to take on this path do so distinctively. I am Peter Hawe, and I hope you're excited as I am as we share these untold stories. Welcome to the fourth episode of The Legal Milestone. My guest today is one of the exceptional brains in the legal fraternity. Ms. Alice Namli Blazavik is an advocate of the High Court of Uganda. She is the founder of the Legal Innovation Hub. She's also the founder of Coffee with Alice. She's the founder of I Read, I Innovate. She is the host representative of Uganda to the World Legal Summit. She's also the host representative of Uganda to the Global Legal Hackathon. She is a co-founder of the Kampala Legal Hackers. She's a mentor and a judge at the Hague Institute for Innovation of Law. She's a mentor at X and L Africa. She also served as the Vice President of the Uganda Law Society. Presently, she is a partner at Katende Sempewa and Company Advocates, where she heads the Tech and Innovation Docket. Mrs. Alice Namli Blazovic, you're most welcome. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. Um, so, Ms. Alice, uh, who is Alice Namuli Blazovic? Uh, I am a very simple person who um, has, I guess, so many passions. Uh, and as I grow older, I have realized there's, there's so much uh, that um, I'm passionate about and I'm on a journey to explore as much as possible. But in brief, I am a lawyer, uh, I'm a legal pra practitioner. I am a partner with Katendis and Company Advocates. I am um, a mother of two little boys and a wife. I also do different um, projects uh, in the community. I really love to do community work. I love giving back to society. Um, and I'm also a businesswoman. All right. Uh, very good. I, I hope you don't mind us asking. You've said you're a mother of two boys. Um, and then you are, we'll get to the work that you do, you're a lawyer, definitely we'll ask you how you actually decided that you wanted to do law. But we've seen the name Blazavik. Could you tell us more about the name Blazavik? Because we are just seeing Alice Namoli Blazavik. Well, uh, the name itself, it's uh, originally uh, from, it's a Slavic name from uh, Croatia. So my husband is, uh, Ethnically, he is uh, Croatian, Slavic Croatian, but um, like a third generation Canadian. So that's where it comes from. Yes. Okay. It's, it's, we thought, we thought, 
we thought it was uh, oh it has nothing to do with no i mean it has to, it has nothing to do with my origin oh so it's just a marital name oh all right all right so um we would like to know did you choose law school or uh, yes. it okay certain on what I wanted to do from a very young age. Um, it could have been, I think about it, and some people have, have always told me, oh, because maybe your father was a lawyer, and that's why you studied law. I've had uh, deep uh, like conversations with myself and thinking, actually, what really inspired me to doing law. And it actually turns out that I just, from a very young age, have I've always been um, uh, interested in pursuing justice in any way. Um, um, I love uh, a fair world, I love a peaceful world. So to me, I think it was the, the easiest thing to create that, you know, that, that world. Fairness, justice, yeah. But definitely, I know for certain, Consciously or unconsciously, I had a very big influence from my father. All right. So you, your dad was a lawyer. Yes. Oh, do you think that you picked inspiration from from the fact that he had been, you know, practicing the law, and that's why you decided to join the, the, the legal profession? Um. Th- like I've said, I I think consciously, whether it was a conscious decision or unconscious, definitely he influenced me because. If you think about it, I would have loved uh, to be, uh, what do you call it? I would have loved a fair world or a peaceful world and uh, attaining that from joining the justice system was, uh, would have been a natural process. But at the same time, the influence from my father was also very, it's like very, a very big part of it, meaning who I am as a lawyer and the, the principles, my values as a lawyer definitely stem a lot from you. Oh, okay. So, um, do you mind uh, running us through or walking us through your your experience at, at law school, at your undergrad at law school? Uh, um, what what law school you went to and... I went to Macquarie University. But my experience there was, uh, I'd say, lukewarm. I wanted to go through law school, pass, and I guess get done with school. It wasn't a place where I had, uh, I think my strategy was to pass. Looking back, I'm like, that's I guess the education system we had. And when, when I was in primary school, my goal was, you know, what kind of strategy can I put in place to make sure that I pass primary school? What strategy can I put in place to make sure that I pass secondary school? And it was the same thing. So I, to me, was like this is uh the, the we had of course optional subjects i'm sure it's still the same thing so at first i thought actually i would be a human rights lawyer because i mean it comes back to you know, justice creating a peaceful world and, but then um in my first year of legal practice it quickly turned around and somehow the human rights was thrown out of the window because of some experiences that I, I had uh, with one of the major cases we handled, uh, which was uh, the death penalty case. After having worked on it for a couple of years, I just knew this was just not my thing, like human rights was not my thing. 
and surprisingly I went into commercial law uh, and I enjoyed it up to this day. But my university days, if I'm to think back, I don't know if I even have like any like highlight. I went through my four years, it was more of I have to pass, which is quite absurd. Because I could have, oh, at, at the same time I was, I was studying French, so that was quite exciting. I think that was something that really excited me and I was also very involved in a lot of community projects. But as in studying law, it was a very bland experience. Okay. Did you have any particular subject um, while at, at law school? Yes, for um, your four years. I think I did enjoy commercial, international trade. I did enjoy international trade. I guess no wonder most of the, the work I do is pretty much international transactions. I did love international trade. I enjoyed human rights at that time. Um, there's another. I actually did enjoy taxation, revenue, I think, and taxation. Oh, we had a, a lecturer. I, I enjoyed contracting. There's a, we had a, a lecturer who was very interesting. We, he had a nickname, Mr. What's his name? Uh, we just used to call him Shokoro. I don't know if you know him. Um, Mr. Shakur, but he was so interesting in class, so I, that's why I loved his classes. He was very, very humorous. But I mean, contract law is one of those uh, subjects where I mean, you're learning the principles of law. So yeah, I love, I love the fact that actually I did enjoy that class so much. He's really a good guy. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. So, because I was going to actually ask that, uh, who are some of the lectures that you recall you've just mentioned? Uh, uh, that one of the lectures, but who, who are some of those lectures that you think were very inspirational, even as we walked through the four years? There was uh, there's a couple. Oh, that's uh, Professor Onyango and Sylvia Tamale. Yeah. Then. There was uh, who really inspired me as lecturers. Mm. I actually liked uh, what's his name, uh, the, the lecturer for revenue, uh, okay. taxation and revenue. He was very, I think, well, like he he was able like to break down the practical side of, of, of taxation and revenue, like making it quite interesting. And he used to work with the Ministry of, it was a commissioner, it was a commissioner in Ministry of Trade or something. Um, so yeah, he also used to make it like very practical, because you learn the theory, but then also the, the practical aspect. Another lecture, I think I've forgotten them, but there should be someone else. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting actually when you think about it. Yeah, but um, I think because the others were mainly academic and I was not, and I, I had no inspiration to be an academic. Oh, okay. 
I, I, I almost asked if you, you because you spoke of Professor Onyango, who is very um, fundamental. He inspired in, me in terms of the work he was doing mm-hmm. uh, within Uganda and outside Uganda. Yes. I think I've always been attracted to people who have had a, a different outlook from what what was always said before them. So his experience was beyond Uganda, and I loved that about him. That oh yeah, yeah definitely you're a lecturer here, you teachers, you studied here, but at the same time you had a a, um, a much broader sense of what the, the world is. I loved that, and I also loved about um, Dr. Sylvia. Another thing I loved about Dr. Sylvia was her confidence. Uh, I loved the fact that she was able to stand up to, to, to so many society norms that have had always defined women. Yeah, I really liked about, uh, about that, that uh, she, like, she would stand up for uh, her truths, you understand? And speak up like uh, truth to, to power. I think that's also something that really attracts me, attracted me to her, and up to now. Like I, because those are some of the traits that definitely have were inhibited in me. But I mean, when you have such role models, you're like, okay, I can, I can speak my truth, or I can speak my truth, and um, it's okay to be comfortable in your own skin. I think that is something major that I. I learned from her, and I still like really admire. Oh, all right. So maybe one last question about your undergrad, because you 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 seem to have gone through it with a target of. I need to get my. Get out of here. I used to be actually very scared uh, because uh, there was a lot of uh, um, horrible experiences from people who had gone through university for us having retakes that one, I mean, their papers going missing, marks, like, you know, the marks, something happened, their, their marks. So to me, I was like, if I could get out of here safely, like, you understand, without any, do you call them what, carry-ons? What do they call that thing? Um, uh, uh, like supplements. Supplements. No, when you carry a order. Uh, uh, like, a, like, like a paper or yeah. a retake? Yeah, retake. Yes. Mm. That, that was my prayer, like, oh my goodness, I hope I just never get a rating. I hope I never have to, my marks never have to go missing. Can you imagine? Instead of concentrating on um, what can I, what impact can I have at, at university, what can I do, what other things, what can I change, what can I, I feel like the four years went by when I was heavily focused on how can I pass. Okay. Not how can I learn better? How can I be do more meaningful things in these four years apart from maybe like you know, studying? I find it's not an experience I would want for my children. Yeah, I would want my children to go through university while they are working on some project. NASA. <laughs> anyway. I don't know. It's so weird that I always bring up that example of uh, I would have been working at I guess somewhere on the moon, or uh, because I find it's a it's a gap that is missing in, in Uganda for people to do to go beyond what we have been taught and what we have we've, we've known. Do you understand? I would want like an uncle or an aunt 
who has who's doing something amazing on the moon. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, so here you are. You've left uh, Macquarie University. Did you have um, an ambition to join the Law, the Law Development Center or take a different path of life? Mm, I've, uh, I was very focused on uh, getting LDC out of the way because there was a lot of uh, fear on uh, the, uh, the, the whole system, everyone told us it's like a military school. We had to be explained like law school was nothing. So because of that fear, I thought, let me get this out of the way and maybe like start pursuing other things. Of course, looking back right now where I am and what I know, um, that fear was very external, uh, but at the same time, internally, I didn't have the strength to say, okay, well, will I, will I fail it or not? I can always do other things. At that time, I just knew if I failed LBC, that would be that the end. Um, and this is something I would definitely want to share with anyone younger, that um, if uh, this doesn't work out, you understand, that doesn't have to be the end. There are so many alternatives in life, They're, especially having a background in, in law is a, a very, very good uh, foundation, which can uh, spring you into like, so many other directions, depending on what your passion is. But it seemed like at that the fear that came with the uh, oh goodness passing LDC was uh, like not containable. I thought, let me get LDC out of the way. I guess apply the same strategy. But surprisingly, I enjoyed uh, LDC much more than law school. I felt like um, I had a more, I took on a more mature like uh, personality because of the interaction I had with the lecturers. The lecturers were more. Were they lecturers? Did you call them? Um, I think we had lecturers and professional advisors. Advisors or something. Yes. Mm. They were very good to us. They were willing to take um, all sorts of questions, silly questions. And I felt, actually, my experience at, at the Law Development Center gave me a different type of confidence as a lawyer. Uh, because, uh, first of all, what I also really enjoyed about it was the practical aspect of it. Law school, you had to do a lot of writing notes. Uh, coursework, passing this, passing that. Then you come to Law Development Center, everything is practical. So you watch your plan, you're putting it in, actually in practice. Um, that also went well with knowing now how I learn. I learn better in, when I'm experiencing something or when I'm visually, you know, seeing something, you know, in, 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 in practice. Uh, the other thing I also enjoyed about was the open book. Because if I I, the open book like exams, yet at law school, it was more if you've not crammed well, if you've not crammed enough, whether you've understood the things or not, you you must you must do this exam, which I find so cruel. Because we have different capacities as, as, as human beings. I feel I feel like I understood the law at LDC. Wow. Okay, so um, LDC comes with so much pressure. Uh, what was what kept you going in, in the midst of that pressure? Because I can see you enjoyed it, but then it also comes with a lot. Yeah, the, the, for me it was a fear of failure. I had never understood what failure is. I think I I did want to fail. 
I didn't, I wouldn't, I would never even have known like what would, if I had failed, what would have happened, or okay, even how I would have dealt with it. But because I was so afraid to fail, I thought, okay, let me just, you know, I guess apply the same strategy. But because I enjoyed it so much, it made it much easier for me. Of course, the the, the aura of fear is still there. Like my parents, you must have passed the orals, or exams, that this and that. But I felt that actually I enjoyed oral exams because. I love if I explain myself, you understand? Because in a theory, you write an exam, whether you've understood it or not, as long as you've crammed well, so you pass. For other exams, although there's that whole fear that, oh my goodness, this is a chance for you to explain something, but I'm able to explain to the examiner that this is how I actually I understood it. And also when I, I speak to someone, I can, I can notice their body language, and they can also see my body language that actually maybe I'm like trying or I'm thinking outside the box. Yet I felt like for this uh, like law school, it had to be, this is what the lecturer taught you and this is how you have to do it and you can't go off the book. That's what I felt and I, I really love that. But I, I guess I applied the same strategy. Focus, be extremely disciplined and get out of the discipline. Interesting. So um, the, the other thing I wanted to ask you about the Law Development Center, you, you said that you had uh, a much practical uh, way and appreciation of the law. Do you think that uh, that's an experience, like you said, if somebody doesn't get it, but then do you think that's an experience that as a lawyer is very fundamental in shaping them in how they... For me, it shaped me, like what I told you. First of all, the experience I had with the people who were teaching us at that time, we had external advisors, I've forgotten the, the name, but mm -hmm. in particular, there are two people, two lawyers who were in charge of our group, that was um, he, uh, Mr. Sam Ahamia now and Ruth Sebatindira. Mm -hmm. They were very, I loved the engagement we had you okay. know, with them. They, mm -hmm. You know, and they would throw things at you and then they would allow you to think uh, outside the box, which was a completely different experience. So for me, I feel, experience which I had had in law school, I feel that experience made me to come out, like my, the real me coming out and making me actually very confident in my skin and body that actually I can ask questions. Yes outside and I can I can ask questions and I can I, I, I am free I am I don't know there was something really really good about this that I I, 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 I enjoyed wow interesting you 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 enjoyed but I think it's because of the, the wild land and I guess that, that made, made, made a lot of sense I'm not very good at giving being given instructions without well <laughs> I mean, our education system is like that, right? So you give an instructions and you do what the teacher has told you. So, but then my personality is I love to engage. I love to question. I love to, to like talk back. In law school, that was not there. Uh, I felt like LDC, there was a, a much uh, like bigger space to be yourself and express yourself. So I feel that definitely uh, took me on a, on a journey or a path to be, uh, to be a different lawyer. I don't know, maybe. I could, okay. If I hadn't actually done maybe LBC, I 
it would have been a different experience. But I loved it, despite the fact it was really hard. Okay, so you here you are, like you said, you've gone through. What happened after your uh, the Law Development Center? Well, clerkship. As soon as I, what clerkship? Did, did as you soon have as I to apply for clerkship, and what happened after? Well, I told you, I'm, I'm a very strategic person. That's one. So when I joined uh, LDC, I was like, okay, what I'm supposed to do? This was supposed to be. This is on my calendar. Calendar was supposed to have a clerkship. Okay, so I. I, at that time, I, I knew exactly there were like four law firms that uh, I knew that were really good. And um, so I just made a decision. It, I had, I think even like before, unconsciously made a decision where I wanted to club. And I, as soon as we started, I think like LDC, I made my application I, uh, for internship and at, at, at CATS. And yeah, we went through some rigorous interviews, which was actually quite uh, different from what my other colleagues, other the other, my fellow students uh, experienced. They did experience in interviews. Uh, we had like, I think, five interviews we made. Like, for different sets of uh, lawyers to interview us, um, which was also a very interesting experience and something um, up to now I'm extremely grateful for. Because by the time you finish now, the development center, we had gone through uh, some kind of training and some experience which our, our colleagues had not. So it gave us some lot of confidence. But anyway, so as soon as I joined the school, I finished uh, uh, rather LDC. I applied at CATS, uh, yeah, for my internship, and I was very lucky to have uh, what six of us to have been um, given a, an opportunity to clap here. Okay, interesting. So you quickly, you know, joined uh, CATS as you transitioned as as, a, you, as you transition from your law development center and uh, you you got into now a workspace a work environment yeah, well um actually i thought mm -hmm. that as soon as i finished law school the development center then capture go back to the development center and then after that go to uh for my master's degree but then my dad at that time he was like i don't think it to be wise, he just advised. He was just like a person who pushed down his ideas, his ideas down your throat. So he was like, "Why don't you take off time?" That was the first thing. Like, first you take off time, maybe travel or do something completely different. And so I took off some time um, to travel. And then after that, uh, he was like, "To be good for you to, to to work, to get some kind of work experience, and know actually what you like." So you can imagine. If I had left law school, rather LDC, I would have applied for a, a, a master's degree in human rights. Isn't that interesting? But after two years, I realized that I was actually not interested in human rights. And I also realized that um, whatever I had wanted to study at that particular time, I, I think it kept on changing. Because I was not reading to commercial law from the beginning. It's like, why would I do a, a master's degree in commercial law in anything commercial? Maybe not, maybe. And somehow the years went by, and I st started finding a different like passions and meaning. And 
external influence outside the law. So that definitely grabbed my attention to focus on other things that outside the law that I got like different mentors outside the law who were able to give me a lot of confidence in in a, uh, about life. Like for example, it doesn't have to be all about books, it doesn't have to be all about law, it doesn't have to be uh, about legal practice. There's so much in the world that you can actually be involved in. Um, and most of the people who are really influencing me at the time were Rotarians, because I just realized that these people were extremely successful, but not necessarily having attained um, either a degree or a master's or a PhD. So I was like, how? And they were very like nice people who were willing to give out to community. So I was like, how have you actually thrived without a master's degree? How have you thrived without a PhD? Because I thought that would be like a secret of life. But then, um, and also the, like, the meaning of success to me, you know, just kept on changing. And I kept on saying, okay, um, but I think actually my delay for doing law, studying rather my master's was more of what I had anticipated to do in my master's degree was human rights. And now moving into, uh, into a commercial setting, I was like, am I making a mistake? But then I ended up actually loving the commercial world. And yeah, with my definition of my goals and everything started you know, changing and until uh, until I guess today, um, um, I don't have to be defined by anything society puts on my plate. I can define my own success. I can define my own journey. I can I can focus on my own journey. I can I can succeed the way I want to succeed. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so would I be right to say that right after your law development center journey and here you are, um, the cuts was your first uh, area of, of works different? Uh, yeah, <laughs> okay, okay. okay. Um, so what, do you recall the year when you were called to the bar? Okay, okay. So you started as... as uh, an intern, okay, would want you to walk us through your journey until you actually got to a level of uh, partner in, in one of the oldest, actually the oldest farm in the country. But, and what did I do right, what did I do wrong? Um, I don't think, again, looking back, first of all, there's no one size or like my journey doesn't have to be in one journey. I just want to share pretty much some of my, I would say, my strengths or the things that helped me. Um, I think right from LDC, because I was really, really focused and very, very strategic. I was like, I need to work at CATS and I, I, I need to focus on getting into CATS. I didn't apply anywhere else. I only applied at CATS and I do remember all my friends telling me, oh my goodness, how can you risk it? How can you... How can you apply to a law firm? And I'm like, well, if I keep my eyes on this book, definitely I'll do it. So what I did, I, I applied and then I kept on uh, calling. <laughs> Hello, uh, um, Alice Namuli from 
Law Development Center, I applied and I just wanted to get an update, an application, application, not yet, like, okay, fair enough. So when it was almost coming to the close of the third term, second term when you're going to orals and all things like that, and like, um, we actually can't find your application, like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. So I just came in and I think met Sim or something, I was like, they, I think at that time they used to give, when they would receive your application, they would give you a process stamp, like even up to now. Um, so I brought the stamped copy. Um, so he was like, oh, okay, fair enough. Uh, we are having interviews next week. And then it turned out that actually I was the first person to apply. So which, from that date, it actually also defined the way I do things, just knowing that getting in first talks a lot, meaning you could all be running a race and you have the same speed, the same, you know, everything, because here we are all students at LDC, we, I mean, we we had most of, almost like similar grades, so imagine you, you want to employ people or take on school, so there's, there should be something that um, uh, helps you to, I guess, to choose among people who have the same everything. Yes. Do you understand? Yes. So for me, I felt that stood out for me, the fact that uh, I was the first person to apply, like we, and now if I am to, to interview someone or give someone an opportunity, those are small things for me that definitely work for them. Like, the, you, that means you wanted it so bad, the fact that you, know, you took time and initiative to apply early. The second thing, uh, that was different for me was that I, while I was at law school, I was also pursuing a diploma in French. I did, did I did three. Uh, they call them diplomas in, uh, in in French, so it's like level one, level two, level three, level three. Um, throughout law school, so I was really good at French. I did not legal French, but I knew French, like how to speak French, and I had actually. Uh, I think mentioned it on my, my CV and during the interview one of the lawyers was kind of inquisitive it was like oh you, you so you, you can speak French there were things those are two things that stood out for me one was the fact that I was uh, my application came in very, very early and I kept on I was very persistent meaning because to me I was like I wanted to focus on cuts getting into cuts I can't imagine if I had not got into cuts, I would have literally, I don't know, died. Um, and then two was uh, the exceptional skill that I had gained you know, while I was at university. So I think it it pays when you have that extra something. You understand? You've all been students, then what have you done? Some, I would imagine now, like for you, I mean, as a leader, I was not a leader at university, so if I'm to look at someone's and like, okay, you all did the same courses, the same everything, but this person gave time, extra time, you understand, to serve or did like extra things in the community, that is something that's appealing to me, you know, to give you a job or a, a chance at doing something. Anyway, yeah, so I had those two things that definitely stood out for me that I was definitely highly focused on getting into, into cuts at whatever course and my French. Then um, when I started legal practice, I also realized 
forced to give back as very uh, not assertive, but very uh, I don't I don't call it assertive. Very open. Like I I, I was very like frank with either I'm able to do this or I need help with to do this or you understand and I, I one of the things I loved about working at Cuts was also that opportunity to be yourself. I am a um, very like um, I love mutual relationships. You understand I hit the a place where I cannot express myself. Um, so that I'm I'm grateful that I had supervisors who were I think able to look at this young girl saying all these things this, that, and I used to speak very fast, um, asking this, this, and this, and yeah, I, I also hate doing assignments, which don't make sense, so you can imagine having a associate like, but we are doing this and this, but how come this, how come that, it's so weird, right? How, but, how, how, how did you have that, um, I would qualify it as, uh, I don't know, is it confidence or the audacity, because you know, as a young because associate, a, yes. Especially culturally, that is not a character that is, again, looking back, it's not very common because we are taught in a, we are in a search to be very polite yes. and very like quiet and very humble, not to talk back, not to have, uh, to push back, but that, that was just not me. But what I'm super grateful for for cats is that I was given space to be me because if I if that had not happened, there's no doubt. Interesting. So, so the maybe one last question because I know you might have a whole breakdown on how you get to you know your partnership. But what are some of the things that you think made you stand out to a level where you began as an intern? I know I've not asked you to where you had to be an associate, grow into a senior associate, and then get into a, a, a partner level. What do you think? Uh, My business development, and that is has been. Uh, I when I when I would receive an assignment, I, I wouldn't look at it like okay, this is the only thing I have to do with uh, this file. I loved to create work out from one transaction. So, meaning, okay, we have this client, and I, I would love to listen. So, another thing I, 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 I like to do, or I do naturally, is to sing, to get in sync with the client, to understand the client's needs. So, I dig more into the client's life and their needs, and I, I respond to the client's needs. So, I... My client walks in here, they want to just a company, uh, but then I get to know who they are in their, their personal lives. Um, do they have children? What needs do they have? Do they want to expand their business? So, um, especially for wanting to expand their business, I'll tell them, oh my goodness, yeah, we're part of a network here, which is called Lex Africa. We're able to help you to to expand or set up a branch in any other out of all the other maybe 20 countries where we, we have you know, associate law firms. Um, so just helping you and for me actually my strength has always been um, understanding my clients needs and and trying to respond or solve you understand as opposed to just listening to the client oh, this is what that uh, this is what the client has instructed me to do 
and um, uh, I'm done with it, goodbye. So for me, I've, I, I, I genuinely also like to solve people's problems, so maybe that was in Russia. But uh, I love to create work. This is one, oh, like even if it's just a project, and at that time I used to, I've always loved to like study trends. So, uh, earlier in my career, we got a wink of uh, the oil and gas um, industry. So as a, as a firm, we, we came up with different strategies on how we can position ourselves. So it meant that uh, get, uh, getting as many lawyers to do different trainings, those who wanted to do masters, uh, master, uh, masters or uh, even recruiting people who you know already had experience, experience and training in, in oil and gas. So for me, I easily ju- quickly jumped onto this, and our st- strategy at that time was who are the clients we should reach out to, what kind of um, network should we you know be part of, uh, which platforms can we you know be heard, which kind of trainings you know internally can we you know. Uh, carry out so that we equip our, our lawyers. I've always just been part of uh, growing. I love to grow uh, networks, I love to grow the farm, I love to grow the business, I love to grow my clients. For me, it's no secret that if my clients grow, I grow. It, it was it was just obvious. So taking care of a client's needs well, is, is ex- extremely important. And when a client's grow, you grow before you notice it, like uh, you my profile grew uh, because of the different networks, the different clientele was able to tap into, and also my external relationships outside uh, outside cuts through Rotary because I was able to to grow not only in as a lawyer but also as a as a uh, as a human being, like in a totally different field. I told you these Rotarians influenced me a lot. I was nurtured and trained as a leader from a very young age, because I joined Rotary very young. And that also worked well, like because you get a lot of experience dealing with people who are highly, highly experienced and highly, highly successful. I went into Rotary when, and I met people on the peak of their careers. So it just worked well, like the kind, imagine the kind of experience they had. I think unconsciously I was able to pick a lot from uh, the skills like these, these people I was uh, in, uh, interacting with and then using them in my, in my profession. Um, but I think the most important thing is for me was the environment that cuts provided for me and giving that opportunity to think outside, to think outside the box, understand, for me to expand my horizons. Like, um, my immediate supervisor was uh, Sim, so to, to him, I just remember, I've, I've always come up with this, like, an idea, and then I've got to him and he's like, well, uh, um, what would it take? So you'd be like, okay, just write down what definitely you need to run off with this project or to do this or to get the farm in a particular space. And again, looking back, you're like, I guess I was more than lucky to have a supervisor like that. 
and that is something because I was given a lot. I feel I I should try as much as possible to give out the same hand. Do you understand? Like someone supporting you so much, but at the same time providing a space for me to be who I wanted to be. Do you understand? Yes. It's it's uh because so many people have gone through cuts and I'm sure people have had different life frustrations and challenges. Don't get me wrong, I've had my different challenges, but I guess it also goes back to as able to express myself. As able to express myself um, and talk about my challenges, or maybe something I was experiencing, but then having a supervisor like Sim, he would be like, okay, now what do we do? What can I, how can I help? Actually, how can I help? And then I would come up with a solution. I'll say, if uh, we did this, this, and this, uh, Get a solution, like okay, fair enough. So, I, I'm actually super grateful to him that he was able to create that. Um, I, you know, having a relationship, it's also a two way, it's, I think it's a two way traffic. He was extremely supportive, or he's always been very, very supportive. Uh, but I, I also feel that my I had, uh, I, I like, I like, I pushed him to helping me, do you understand, like, and I would ask, ask, I would ask, and you shall be given, actually that's what he, he always says, ask and you shall be given, so, that's actually a lesson I could, because so many times we have been nurtured in a set where you don't ask, you don't, you just keep quiet, whether you're happy or not happy, you just keep quiet, I'm very good at expressing myself. Interesting. So you talked about I, 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 that's been your your journey to now being a partner. I know you you've definitely talked about it and how you had to grow yourself dealing with clients. And I think that's what takes you to the epitome. Maybe just slightly. Which year, do you recall when you actually now made a partner? Do you? Um, and how did that feel? Well, it was a. Uh, um, I didn't expect that I would get, become a partner at a younger age because, I don't know, this is a, a like a very old farm and you understand you have to be, I, I felt at that time you had to be like, you know, highly, highly experienced and you had to do um, like the criteria yes. for me like to be a partner in cuts, like, of, of course, all this is in your head, right? Like, oh my goodness, uh, what what can I do? Can I even pivot? Ever grow like a profile where I'll be um, maybe taken seriously, or what is it that I'm supposed to do? So you have all these things in your head, um, and but then you given the the offer, it was it was quite um, humbling. Like, oh, actually, um, my work is being recognized. I mean, the value addition to the fund was was recognized because it's it's it's, it's a journey, right? It's yes. a journey, yes. and it's so easy to just give up because I mean, so many people have been up. Since I joined Cuts, there've been so many lawyers who have come and gone. Um, and oh, the other thing that has actually has also helped me so much is uh, my attitude is that I never feel that the grass is greener somewhere else. My theory is that uh, I can make my grass green, I can fertilize my grass, I can uh, water it, I can 
put some flowers, I can put some color. And I also learned very early in life that that is all up to me. I don't want, I didn't want that responsibility to be on my supervisors or that time at like our senior partners. I thought like, what can I do to make actually my grass green? It's so easy to, you know, to look next door and be like, oh my goodness, in this other law farm, this is what is going on or in this whatever. That was just never my approach. My approach is like, this is what I want for me and I can get it. What, how, what can I do to make sure that I get that in cuts? Okay. Yeah. All right. So you talked about rotor, uh, and uh, rotary, and I wanted to ask you because you said they taught you how to be a leader. In part of your journey, uh, we've also read that you've been able to serve as the vice president of the Uganda Law Society. Maybe briefly, could you walk us through that experience? Where did you get the the drive to run for for such a top office in in the Uganda Law Society, and also to ensure that you serve? Okay. Uh, uh, again, my leadership journey, I, I was exclusive, again, cuts and grocery. Why cuts? Because as soon as we joined cuts in our first year, I do remember we went for a retreat and were told to go out and join different organizations. We were told to be part of things, you know, outside cuts. And again, looking back, I'm super grateful for that opportunity because I know many fans, like so many of my friends when we went to school, they were like always shocked that where do you even get time for Rotary? Rotary had its own demand, so you had to do, I think once, you had to do an hour a week, mm-hmm. and, but the fam supported that, because they usually, they, they, they pushed us into like, what club are you part of, can you join like, a, I don't know, Kampala club, a golf association, can you mm-hmm. join? And at that time, I wasn't quite sporty, so I was like, okay, Rotary makes sense. I always love giving back. So when I joined Rotary, um, I was also very lucky to join one of the oldest love, uh, sorry, clubs in Kampala and in Uganda, actually. And this also had very senior members of the public um, uh, who had uh, achieved so much, who were at the peak of their careers. So being a very, very young member, made me um, learn from them. Like you understand that how you just sit down at um, the feet of people who are much older than you and willing actually to hold your hand yes. and, and and nurture you and train you. So Rotary has these uh, kind of like committees. As soon as you join, you join the different committees to run different projects because it's a charity organization but at a very, very large scale. So you, 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 you're put in position to run very, very big projects. So you become a committee member, after that you become a director. But I was very young, I was 26. So you, yeah, you are 26 and yet Rotary at that time you had to join when you were like 30. So I think I joined, well, I, most of the fight was, because you leave law school when you are like 23. And I joined Rotary, no, 23, 24. Then, so actually, I must have joined Russia when I was 24. So here you are, you're learning from very, very experienced people how to just lead people in a very humbling because you're doing voluntary work. It's all giving back, as you said, and no one is being paid. And to me, it was also great lessons like all these people, where do they get that time to actually give back to certain communities? And that also gave me a lot of satisfaction. 
I do not know if I would have been able to practice, continue practicing law if I didn't have that um, if I didn't have that fulfillment from Rotary. Because to me, the fact that uh, throughout the week I had uh, an option to go out and serve the world without being paid, it's, it's an it's an experience I can never put a quality. So, um, but uh, Rotary, Rotary also has a very structured system of training leaders. You understand? You're trained from you even attend leadership trainings. They they are all that way like throughout the year. So there is that the actual trainings, but also learning from uh, the different uh, senior people who are at that uh, in the club. One experience I will never forget was uh, I was put on a committee um, to lead um, a committee of people where the Bank of Uganda governor was one of the, of the, of the of the members, and I was the leader. So you can imagine here you, you sort of tell people that oh my, uh, this is the schedule, this is the plan, this is what. We're... Look at me at the age of like I don't know 25 and six, and I'm here talk, telling the governor back of Uganda what um, our plan. Like I mean, as the leader, of course, the, of, of the committee. Yeah. It was the most uh, like of course it was a deep end for me, but I came out very like confident, very, very strong, but also I felt very, like, uh, can I say? Also, it was also very humbling that these men, were, men and women who were extremely successful were giving me this space to actually lead them at a very low level. Because like I've told you, uh, Rotary is very, very structured, highly, highly structured. So a committee has to has duties and roles, you understand, for, for the whole thing to function. So as made a director and I guess now the rest is history. Yeah. So that is now the part of my leadership journey. Okay. Then here at work we've had our senior partners are a part of different initiatives, you understand, where they do different things in um, in their lives apart from the legal profession. So um, that also consciously and unconsciously had a very very big impact on the way I have looked at law. Like, yes, you can practice law, but you can also teach so many things. You okay. Understand? Yeah. Uh, Professor Sentewai has always been part of. Uh, oh, he was actually uh, former past president of Law Society. So this is also one of the things that Los, uh, Cats used, used to encourage us to join Law Society committees from a very young age. Yeah. So you're part of all these initiatives, you know, so you're giving back, but you're learning. You do not know you're learning. Yeah. So you meet people who are, are also willing to help you, you understand? Yeah. Um, it, it was like a mix of so many things, but just learning that, uh, yes, there's a legal profession, but I there's so much of me as Alice outside the legal profession, you understand? Yeah. There's so much I can give the world outside me just being a lawyer and going to court and solving people's problems. So that definitely took me on a journey and a path. And when I went into Los Ceti, I started as a, a, a committee member on the different committees. Then after that, I became a, the, the head of uh, women lawyers uh, committee. Then after that, I, I joined the Society Council, then I became the Vice President and then I ran for President. So it was basically a journey. You just never see it coming, but it's because you're learning while, you understand, you're growing while learning. It's very, very unconscious. 
someone had told me that guess what? Ten years after when I was in law school, like I would learn run if someone had told me that you're going to run for law and resident, I would be like, Thanks for the joke. Next <laughs> I'll be like, What or are you even talking about? I'll say, No, of course not. There's no space for me. I just never so much. I've always wanted to give back, but not to be in such uh, leadership positions. But cuts uh, being able to nurture that in me, like you understand, know, go out, serve. You understand? Know, are you interested in this? Go. Are you interested in this? Yay! So for me, it was always like, this is it. There's something here. Go. And very very supportive because I do remember, not that he did to run drinks a lot. So cuts has always been there to. Okay, how much money do we need to sponsor this, to sponsor that, and do you understand? It's you're asking me all these things, but to me, I, it's just a very humbling experience. Right. Of course, I've been checking my life, and trust me, I'm very grateful. Right. I've been, I've, I've extended that uh, gratitude. No, I've expressed that gratitude to everyone who has mentored me, because when you check yourself, you're like, they didn't have to do that. They didn't have to support me through those. They didn't have to rotary when I would go on fundraising trips. Yeah, what uh, eradicating polio, eradicating this cat was always number one sponsor for anything I would do outside. Like, where did you get that space, right? Interesting. <laughs> I can see that um, your workspace has been very integral in nurturing you and, and pushing you forward. For me to grow yeah. outside, just being a lawyer. So, even where, where I am right now, you understand, I am a I am um, into so many things. I'm into entrepreneurship, I'm into um, um, community work, I'm into, uh, they call it, because I'm a mother and parent. But all these things are being used and this, the fact that Kat is able to support, you know, this journey. This journey. And also my entrepreneurship um, journey, again, it's also been supported by Kat, you understand, that my colleagues, you understand, just, um, sharing ideas with them, you know, uh, giving you advice on, oh, you're starting this, you're running this, you're doing this, how about if you do this, have you tried this, how can you support you? It's, it's incredible, by the way, isn't it? It's actually, when th- you think about it, because I started, um, my first business was uh, uh, what? Air, an Airbnb, this is uh, 17 years ago. And that Airbnb was in my house. Oh, I, st- I was still at, at my parents' home. Then I I rented out two apartments, which I furnished, and I would um, have uh, the interns. The interns were here would come like on a monthly, sorry, three months basis or six months basis. I would host them. Like, do you understand? Again, from cuts, like I was able to get very good uh, uh, clients or customers. And of course, it turned out to be a word of mouth. Like, oh, by the way, the, the, the people who would post, they would tell their like friends or people would be coming again to Uganda. That's why I also grew a very big network in that space of uh, hosting people. Again, my first my first um, uh, customer was from Cats. There were interns from Cats, two interns from Cats. So that's, you see, that's now a business, my business journey. They're just growing, and but at the same time, cats being able to support. 
Okay, so um, it's something that you have now taken on at CATS, which you actually had, which I would want us to delve into and discuss more, is um, you had a, a tech docket, tech law docket at, at CATS as a head of, uh, you know, as a partner head of that department. Somebody listening there and they don't know these things, they, they, they're wondering, what is, what is tech law? What, what, how, what can you briefly say about tech law? By the way, funny enough, uh, tech law has is, is not a new it's not a new field, right? But it's uh, the the type of technology that has emerged that has evolved into uh, a highly specialized uh, field uh, in in technology. My background uh, was uh, what they call it project finance mergers acquisitions and uh, private equity so i used to do a lot of work in that like um structuring uh projects but then i had a minor there for tnt which is technology media and telecommunication right no, telecommunication media and um so in, I, I but still was mainly concentrating on telecommunication because at, at that time there were so many like mergers taking place in the telecom industry. So that uh, was my, I guess, uh, one of the minors in uh, TNT. Um, but then, what can I say? How many years ago? I would say roughly ten to eight years ago. Oh, sorry, age two. 10 years ago, um, I started uh, reading about emerging technologies. Um, and to me, it was like, what on earth is this? When I got more into leadership position in law society, I was, people kept on talking about how the law, the law is going to change, the legal profession is going to change. What is going to change? What is going to change? Oh yes, there are these technologies that are having a big impact on different industries, but are lawyers even going to survive? As like, are lawyers going to survive? What do you lawyers are going Anyway, so as a leader, again, I've always loved to study trends and just know where we where we, we are going. I just like to just be ahead of a car. Um, so I read through reading articles. I try to understand. Oh my God! Okay, there are these technologies that are coming on the market and they are influencing the way we actually do everything. So when that means if they're influencing the way we do things, it means even us the lawyers our that we are going to start receiving different like instructions, you understand, from the these industries that have been are being impacted by the, the these technologies. Okay, at that particular time, then we started getting uh, like more vibe on um, artificial intelligence, and I was like, artificial intelligence, what is this? Anyway, so I just started reading more about it. Before I noticed that I was doing different trainings in it and started getting to spaces where we were talking about AI. But my my enthusiasm was more of uh, what what's the impact of these technologies on uh, on the legal profession. And what can we do actually to prepare ourselves? So um, I just tried, I, I, I just wanted to know what these technologies are, 
and what I can do, what I can use them, rather can I use them, can I, can they, the knowledge I'll gain, can it help my clients, anyway. So being in that space, doing different uh, trainings, um, led me to different clients who were now using the different technologies, specifically AI and blockchain. And then at that time, of course, blockchain went off with cryptocurrencies with the whole confusion, oh yeah, it has to be cryptocurrency. I'm like, what is this? Anyway, when I dug more into it, I found it very interesting and to me it was more of the imp- the, the way, the, its ability to solve the, so many of the problems we're dealing with in Uganda, in as a, as a legal professional and all that. So that's how I dealt with it uh, and ended up getting these clients who needed someone to be able to explain to, to them um, to speak pretty much the same language and uh, now coming back to like work as a uh, I thought okay this again with my mind which is constantly running I had a discussion with the other partners and I was like okay this is what we are facing and we need definitely to prepare ourselves for the, for the, for the future in case of any uh, changes we need to have to train our lawyers internally, we need to talk about these, these kind of things. We need to 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 to, to have like more people on board and have like a, a like a department which is which is concentrating in this you know uh, tech space. And yeah, one thing pretty much led to another. We every time we'd have like a, what they call, um, entrance, new entrance. Um, this is something you ask like which department are you interested in because before. When you're new, you usually go in, try try out different departments and find out where you I guess thrive more or you where your passion is or interest is. So this became like a, a, a place for us to recruit new people who are interested in that in the tech space. And that's how we started growing the, de- the department. Um, the people who are just uh, like enthous- enthusiastic. So meaning now in case of any training, in case of any um, either that is in, in-house and external, uh, you, we take advantage to, 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 to equip, like to build capacity actually within, within the firm. So as what I, my, my plan was more of a, how do we do this as a, as, 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 a, as a firm, how do we position ourselves? One as a brother in this in, in this industry, how to build capacity. But remember, for me, I do not only in cuts. I do other projects outside work where I mentor young people. So I don't like a situation where people are coming to cuts and they don't have an idea even what technology is. So I thought we could join hands with different networks uh, to train the youth and build capacity in Uganda on the continent. People were equipped so that. When someone walks into cuts, they have some knowledge or skill. And yeah, I'm involved in different projects in terms of uh, capacity building. So my tech practice is, is I have wear different hats because I genuinely love to build capacity uh, on the continent or in Uganda, from in Uganda and the continent. And then at the same time, I, I advise clients in uh, the tech space and technology itself is more to do with uh, 
that use so there are clients who use actually the technology you understand the people who and then there are others who are mandate they who find themselves using these technologies or like sorry who would want to use the technologies who adopt the technologies and they would need to understand the regulatory environment so we do a lot of regulatory uh, work in the tech space in terms of advising clients on how they can actually um, thrive uh, in Uganda. Um, the other hat I also wear is uh, working with different uh, regulatory authorities on how lobbying for different uh, regulations in the in the tech space. So it's how can I say it's uh, it's an array of different things, but. Specifically for CAT, it's for me, uh, it's more of advising clients who are using technologies, specific uh, technologies, who would want to adopt new technologies in their practice, especially like financial sector in the financial sector. So we we already have the mainstream banks, but then those mainstream banks over the last let me say like five years they've tried. They're trying as much as possible to adopt the new technologies. So advising them on the safety of these technologies. So, so many institutions are quick to adopt these technologies, but they're not understanding the vulnerabilities that they, they, they come with. Um, you, uh, you, so if you have a client who is a, like a mainstream bank, but they want to go into cloud computing, put all their data and information you know, in the cloud, but do they understand the, uh, the data breaches they face? Do they um, understand the regulatory uh, requirements they're supposed to have in place for them to have these uh, kind of systems or technologies? So it's um, more of a, right now it's more of a regulatory aspect of uh, the, uh, the use of, 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 of technologies. and specifically the new technologies or the what you call emerging technologies. I don't want to call them any more emerging technologies because they're already here. We used to call them emerging technologies because they were coming, like, you understand, something which is in the future, right? Or, but I find that um, they're already here. I mean, they're already on the, on the market. Okay. All right. So I wanted to ask you because you're in the tech space. How how do you how do you think that the practice of of, of tech law is affecting the practice of the law in, in Uganda? What, what what can you comment about that? Mm, well, in so many ways, what what I can say is that first of all, right now, you we need lawyers who are. Highly specialized in understanding the the this understanding the technologies themselves, right? Like saying, I understand what AI is, and I would recommend actually for a client, for a, a young lawyer, to understand what artificial intelligence is. When you understand what it is, then you would be able to advise a client who is using artificial intelligence in their in their business. Do you understand? Like uh, 
uh, most of the e-businesses we represent, um, they use a lot of AI, they use a lot of like algorithms to help them to market things, to move things, uh, to, to advertise, to understand who their clients are. But now, do you even understand what algorithms are? You as a lawyer, there's that aspect. So understanding first of all the technology and being able to uh, advise the client on the use of the technology. Now, the other impact is on us as a lawyer, as a legal profession, where lawyers are adap adapting the use of these technologies uh, in their day-to-day -day work. For example, right now, we are lawyers are using research tools which are able to um, do carry out research in uh, I guess 30 less than before we before if you had like for example an assignment to a due diligence and you had something that would take like them sorry two weeks now we have these research tools where you're able to carry out research online and in record time you're able to get whatever information you want from like the, the different um, uh, either libraries or uh, different even jurisdictions because everything is online. But some of these technologies are actually quite expensive. They're already on the market, a little bit expensive, although they are some cheaper ones. So there's a use of technology in in the legal profit. Sorry, there's a use of technology by lawyers to enhance the way we deliver legal services. That is one aspect, and that is the impact of technology on that. So, meaning, instead of, uh, um, oh, by the way, even uh, these like video conferencing tools, you understand, that is all the use of technology. Because before we used to have physical meetings, we used to have physical hearings. Now we use technology to to attend uh, meetings, to attend court. So, um, office management management systems where you have platforms where each lawyer is able to log in online and be able to coordinate assignments, you know, internally without being offline. Um, manage, sto storage, uh, uh, manage, uh, storage platforms, like now you heard of the Google Docs, right? Uh, where you have um, uh, a platform uh, where every lawyer can be able to share documents online, even clients. You don't have to send like bulk documents, you know, attachments on email. All that is using using technology to enhance the way you deliver legal services. Mm -hmm. So, and that impact is actually already there. Although some lawyers I think are still hanging on to the way we used to do things uh, before. But now there's so much, like from, there's so many, um, tools, legal tech tools, legal tech tools that you can use as a lawyer on a day-to-day -day basis to improve the way you deliver services from uh, signatures before I had to be in a specific place to sign a document. Now I don't have to, I can be in Ginger and go on a DocuSign or HelloSign and sign a document and send it to a client. Um, before we used to have uh, fax machines now I can scan, there's e-scan on the phone, I scan a document and send it in, in record time. We're all using technology to, to actually cut your costs down, to um, be also more transparent with your, with your, with your, with your clients, um, to do things of course much, much faster. We have a meeting which doesn't need like physical presence 
I'm in ginger, you're in Soroti. Um, yeah, I'm in ginger, you're in a different district. We just go online, have a meeting. The client is satisfied, I'm satisfied. And then you understand, things go on. Um, there's there's so many technologies. Of course, right right now, we've not been, what I always advise people is that you don't have to go in for the very, very high tech uh, technologies. It's always good to start with the low hanging fruits. Yeah. And lastly, the other aspect is the now on the part of the clients, like the clients who are using technologies, how you help them to navigate the different technologies, how you can help them to to um, comply with the different reg regulations uh, that are governing us here in Uganda and that govern them worldwide. Because that's also very key. Like for example, there's a specific regulation that uh, governs anyone who is using uh, data or who uh, for the collects data from citizens. That's a data the GDPR, I call it the General Data Protection um, Regulations from the European Union. Now, this is an, a law that is uh, from Europe, but you'll find that so many countries in Africa are, are using it. Why? Because you have international clients, you have foreign citizens here, you have international businesses which are collecting data using, of course, these uh, new technologies, they're collecting data from people, from local citizens, foreign citizens, citizens all over the world, and they are mandated to follow the regulations that are provided by the GDPR. So you must be able to actually advise them to make sure that they are compliant. You understand? Compliance is extremely key in the tech, in the, in the tech sector. And also to, to help them um, maneuver the, the kind of threats like uh, the threats that they face in uh, from the use of uh, the, uh, the technologies so people have been kind of quick to adopt these technologies without really understanding the the vulnerabilities they have like you can like imagine a bank taking adopting a certain technology or platform or it could be e transactions you know like but then that uh, technology has, uh, it can be easily hacked by, I don't know, someone from you know, China, people from China all over the world, then it won't help you. But then you have to understand the impact it has on the, the customer. It, of course, reduces the, uh, an, an, a good experience for the consumer. It, reduce, it uh, puts a lot of responsibility and liability on the bank in case the client loses their data or in case of any data breach, they are high, high penalties. So the bank has to be aware of those penalties. Then it's um, the the bank also has to keep the clients of customers' information very, very confidential. So which means that they need to understand the regulations that govern, you know, that relationship or the duties that are on the bank to keep their customers' uh, information confidential. And yeah, so it's the advisory ranges from, you know, um, which technologies are available uh, on the market that we are allowed to use in, in, in Uganda. Is it legal to use these technologies? Like so many people ask about the use of blockchain, and digital currencies, um, 
what if we are dealing in cryptocurrencies, if we are dealing in cryptocurrencies, what can we do to make sure that we safely operate in Uganda? And uh, in case we are able actually to use these technologies, what should we do uh, to make sure that we are compliant? Okay, so I'm, I'm going to briefly ask you now about the challenges of the practice of, of tech law in Uganda that you have faced. Uh, what are some of the challenges that you have faced in, in, your, in your area of practicing tech law in Uganda that you have found? Um, at first it was more of uh, finding uh, like-minded people. There are very few people who are willing to to, to move away from what to practice way, you know, the way we always practice law and adopt these you know, new technologies. So for me, the last five years, I have I went on a journey to be as efficient as possible with the use using the technologies that are available. Um, and it has helped me in a way that uh, I am. I've become more efficient. I take less time doing things because you know, it reduces my movement. I am able to uh, efficient in very, very like good time to respond to my plans was using a uh, very high or like fast internet. Um, using like different platforms to engage with my clients, to network with my clients, to, uh, uh, how can I say, to, to share uh, information, knowledge uh, with my clients. Um, but I find that there are very few lawyers, you understand, senior lawyers especially, who are willing to have that you know, conversation. It's mainly really the young people. That has been pretty much so, meaning that we are very few people. There are very few lawyers who uh, uh, would want to have that conversation in, in, in detail. Two is um, the lack of, lack of what? Uh, capacity or lack of skills, especially from the, within the young generation, right? And that's why I'm very passionate about training the young generation into this space. So what does that mean that if you have like a law firm and you would want someone to uh, take on like an assignment, it should be much easier if someone has an idea what cybersecurity is. But these are not even trainings that you, anyone, any, law school is offering, right? So, because of the lack of capacity, people have to just learn on the job. Um, I'm very lucky that I've been able to pass. I learned on the job and I had to teach myself. I take advantage of the, the trainings online to learn and understand more about these uh, um, new technologies and, and, and new uh, fields of law. But in among the young lawyers that, you know, walk in and you want to there are very few who, um, who are taken up that, that, uh, those training. Um, the other challenge is uh, I find is the regulation is kind of scanty. 
um, which is actually has turned out to be an advantage sometimes to myself because very few we we don't have specific regulations for the different technology you understand in that tech space. So, but at the same time, you also have to be very careful, especially for industries which are highly regulated, like the fintech sector. Um, to to engage, our uh, uh, strategy is always to engage the regulator. You understand? So if we have these kind of plans. This is the technology they are going to use. There's no regulation in, in. We don't have any existing regulation. But then, how do we go about it? So when you engage the regulator, engage the regulator is able to help you in a way. But if we had like specific regulations, it can actually help you to guide your plans. You know, much better. So the lack of uh, specific regulation sometimes is kind of a push. Kind of a challenge. All right, all right. So the la- uh, the last question is still in in the practice. Uh, what would you tell, maybe briefly, um, somebody who is piqued interest, a young lawyer or somebody going to law school and they have read about tech law? What would be your message for somebody who intends to venture into this? What do they have to do? As somebody who has seen it all and, and, and you're still practicing. Mm-hmm. To- uh, for a young lawyer, is uh, if you finish school, just upskill. Meaning, any opportunity you get, just uh, sign up for any training that is able to uh, help you gain more, gain knowledge, you know, in these new areas. Because you finish school, so I'm not going to say please go back and learn all these things. You know? But you can, and also actually, uh, young people are very lucky now that you don't have to go and do different degrees or go back to do a master's in this, master's in that, um, you can easily access knowledge on, on, online, right? Long time ago, it used to, you just couldn't easily get um, trainings online, but take advantage of that. Uh, look out for whatever free trainings are there, you can start with a free training. Then the other thing I would advise is uh, be in spaces that you people are these conversations are going on, right? Like for example, at the Legal Innovation Hub, we have uh, these like talks, you understand? We have uh, uh, hackathons, we have, um, uh, what they call it, meetups, where the the conversation, we, we have rather different conversations at the intersection of law and technology. So just, just to be to understand, okay, what is tech, uh, what, Technologies are this. How do I bring in the law? You understand? How does the law intertwine with you know the tech practice? And also to reach out as much as possible to other professionals in the tech in the tech space. I've, I've realized that this helps you to enrich actually your experience. Meaning you don't have to go back to school and learn about um, robotics, but you can learn actually from the different. Um, professionals you know, on, on the market, being in the, I guess, right, the right spaces where this conversation is going is something I'm All right. So the last question in, in light of the practice of, of tech law in Uganda, where do you see the practice of tech law in the next, say, about five or ten years from now? It will be the, it will be a very, very, very big industry because Already, we are feeling the impact. In fact, that impact has already been accelerated by COVID. Um, 
before COVID, when we talk about egotech, it was people would listen, but they would easily discard you. You understand? Like, okay, yes, I was talking about these things, but 30 years maybe, but now because uh, so many of the even the innovations, uh, the businesses that have thrived in the last two years, it has all been all because they are solving the challenges that we experienced what, in, um, in, uh, in, in, in COVID in, during that COVID, COVID uh, pandemic. We're talking about rocket, what they call it, um, health, uh, rocket doctors or something where you're at your home and you understand you're able to receive uh, medical care you understand, from your home, or we call them like robot doctors. We are now also getting rocket lawyers where from anywhere in the world you can be able to actually access legal services, right? Before it used to be, you have to go uh, set up an appointment with a lawyer, meet them physically, you don't have to do that. Now you can virtually meet you know, a lawyer. Um, because of that, I, the fact that also the pandemic is accelerating the use of technology, it's all being, uh, the change is coming about, is being accelerated by the more we use technology, the more we use the internet, you understand? the more people actually are able to access the internet, the more you talk about online education, um, so many of online platforms, online teaching platforms have come out because they're trying to solve the biggest challenge now we're having, online education. So you have all these uh, online platforms where you're able to, I mean, class, they, they hold classrooms online, um, breakaway sessions, oh, talk about uh, meetings, conferences, uh, uh, you have uh, every now like uh, video conferencing platform must have like you know, breakaway rooms to hold different like, conversations, which was before, if you had like to use Zoom, no one would be interested in, okay, now we're having breakaway sessions, now we're having networking sessions. People, the the, the technology, the, the, everything is now being engineered or towards solving the crisis, you understand, we are experiencing. And I don't think we are going to go back to where we were two years ago, whereby, oh, okay, virtual hearings, uh, the things of the past, no. Um, the, the things of the future, no. It would be more like, why do I have to travel from Kabali? When I, why does my client have to travel from Kabali to here? When they can actually just sit down and in their sitting room, um, listen to what's going on and then give their evidence. It will turn out, it will come to that. It will come to, right now, so many law firms, so many organizations are assessing their business business models whereby they are struggling with um, having human, be human beings have, you know, physical interactions, which is extremely key. At the same time, you're having a business that is more cost-effective. Um, when you have less people, you're catering for on a daily basis in the office. If I if I have like an, an organization I'm running and I'm employing three thousand people, the question now do I have to take care of do I have to find physical space for them, provide food for them, provide AC for them every single day, and provide a physical environment for them every single day? No. Out of a three thousand, I can provide only space for five hundred, meaning I cut down on my cost for rent, I cut down on my cost of operations because everyone doesn't have to be in one space at the same time. 
Now we know that. Before we didn't know that that was possible. Now we know that. Are you telling me things are going to change? I don't think so. Um, so I'm looking at a situation. The more we use technology, the more uh, fields of law are going to come out of. Um, that are going to come out of the I guess the use of technology. All right. Okay. So the 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 last question that I have for you. What's your last message for? Uh, these different public categories of people, somebody who has been in practice for over 20 years now. What would you say to the young lawyers? Uh, no, you said you were last you were last in law school 20 years. 20 years ago, yes. I was that is 1999 when I was in uh, in, in first year. Oh. I left law school in 2004. So those are things like 17 years. Oh, okay. I I, I had to be guided and, and rightly said. But as somebody else who has been in practice for quite a while 17 years is, is not a mere feat um well, what would you leave for young lawyers um maybe even interested in your field uh, you've been very keen on mentorship what would you leave as, as young lawyers um, students of the law who are in school you've been out there you've set up establishments that are helping uh, students of of the law in universities and maybe also maybe the last message for the young lawyers who are trying to make it out uh, in, in the legal profession. What okay. would be yes? What would be your your last message? I, I I'm always impressed by who are curious, who want to explore their creativity, who want to create change. I am always uh, interested in people who are. Uh, unsettled by the mediocrity that is uh, has been placed on their plates, their tables. Um, so what I would say is that tr uh, think outside. For any young person, you leave school and you've been given a package, right, a box of tools, you understand, to help you in the legal field or in your career but guess what that box of tools could actually you don't have to discard it completely but you could come up with completely different tools to survive and how do you get those tools inquire find out what is uh, what is on the market and you've been given these tools but there's so much you can um, acquire outside what has been taught to you to thrive, to to to, to bring about change, to uh, to give you I guess more knowledge, to to bring out guess, the best in you. I feel that we we are over limited by the tools we are given in school, and we hang on to that those tools, which are usually very very minimal and very very basic but the world has so much and it's all up to you as a young person to look for the different spaces where you can do bigger things beyond what has been given to be part of a different uh, uh, platforms that's what's another thing I always um, advise people that uh, Uganda is one is like a very small space you understand in the whole like global village we are in now 
how do you try as much as possible to get out of the the space Uganda has created or your school has created to learn more about what do they do in Asia, how do they practice law in Asia, what can I do, um, uh, what technologies are in, in Asia, what innovations, tech innovation, uh, legal innovations are coming out of, I don't know, Japan, over uh, South Korea, what uh, what can I do, you understand, know, to connect with those networks in South Korea to make sure that I can actually grow my practice, what can I learn from people from South Korea, what can I learn from people from Japan, I would just want to say, think outside. All right. You have been given in law school or in Uganda or in, in, what, in your home. All right, all right. So the, the the last question is: You told us you run so many things. You um, you've been you're running. You know, the, you're head of tech at Cuts. You're running uh, other things. You're part of Rotary. Maybe the last question that I would want to know: How do you balance this to to remain afloat? Do I look balanced? <laughs> well. Uh, remain afloat, I guess that's a, a key one. Yeah, many people ask me that question, but um, I'm learning also from other people. One of the people who really uh, inspire me, actually, yeah, are two people. I don't know if I've shared this with you. That's uh, Richard Branson and Elon Musk. And from the time I got to know about them, I'm like, how is it possible that these humans being exist where they're able to do so many things, you understand? Before you know it, Richard Branson has now he's he's going to the moon, no space. And you're like, my goodness, the guy is like what, 70? 68, 70, but you're thinking, how? So um I've had mentors who are not like physical mentors. So that's maybe something I think also advise people is that you don't have to have uh, mentors within your space, you can always seek for mentors outside your realm. And one of the things they've taught me is how to do uh, focus on doing one thing at a time. And again, before I, there's a book I read called The One Thing, I think I've shared the one thing by Gary Keller. Um, he just taught me how to focus on one thing, whatever I'm doing, right? To focus on that and get the best out of it and then move on to the, the other. That That is my I guess little secret that has generally helped me. Um the one having this interview with you, I didn't want any interruption any interruptions apart from the small hiccups we got. So I scheduled this time so that we could have a meaningful conversation with you. And I'm enjoying it, you understand, as opposed to having to attend to different things. I'm focusing on you, you understand, and I'm giving you my whole like my you understand my mind um, so when I live here, uh, if I'm having like a meeting with my client, again I want to have uh, you know special time with them. When I'm working on the different businesses that I run, I I I, I give them time. I'm, so okay, in a day, I would say, or in a week, I'll give it you know specific hours, and I focus on that, get it out of the way, and move on to something else. If I'm mentoring young people, I I want to give them my time, you understand? I hate 
the half half so i'll be like let's change your time sometimes of course you can change but at least i would want to give you my time that's that's um sometimes it's difficult because an emergency can you know come up but that's an emergency so i i don't i try to in a day to have like three things just three items in my day i don't have a to-do list of any person who knows the things that i do they'll think that my to-do list has like a hundred things right no i have three major things and the rest just fall in place right. so i just know i have this meeting and the other meeting and the other meeting and then the rest i just you know and they just pretty much fall into place but the trick is focus on one thing at a time all right so we've we've asked you very tough questions we will now ask you uh outside outside the law now um do you have a favorite hobby i think so yeah could you do you mind sharing with us your favorite hobby mm, i love traveling i love to be in different places i love to experience nature and i don't like to travel like and go to cities you know i love travel and experience culture and nature those are my two passions they ignite me i feel i feel alive being in a experience with different people experiencing different textures of the planet <laughs> okay <laughs> so what's your favorite dish ah. i don't think i have a favorite dish i'm not very good at uh, i'm not very picky with food mm. Okay. Okay. I don't know. Coffee is not a dish. Uh, it's a drink. What is it? That... Like a meal. Okay, just... You don't what know. What is your favorite? Give me an idea. Um, meat chicken. Chicken, chicken really? Mm. Mm. No, not really for me. My favorite dish, of course. I, I'm so bad. <laughs> um, favorite dish. Like, okay, if I went out and I ordered food, I would love. I love. If I went out to a nice restaurant, I would love lamb chops. Okay. So, um, does me does music mean a lot to you? I'm not really a music lover. I love very specific music, very very specific music, and I like it in the background. You don't like it there? No. Oh, okay. So our very last question: um, How would you want to be remembered? With no, with when I, I would want to die when I have given, when I don't have any, like I've given my, my best, like, uh, uh, like not, how can I say like, I realized as I've grown, I have so many skills, I have so many things that, so many abilities, out. I'm trying as much as possible to share the skills I have, the the, 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 the the resources that I have. I want to share them with the world. So, what would I want on my tombstone? Empty. 
with but, na- na- yes, I'm not good. The God, the talent God gave me. You've used them. I've used them. Yes, I, 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 I think I've got that. To the maximum. To the maximum. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's wonderful. So thank you very much for accepting our invitation to be a guest at the Legal Milestone. We believe that uh, your sharing and your passions, your interest, will one way or the other inspire whoever has listened in to this uh, story. But most importantly, we wish you the very best, even as you carry on carry on this uh, tech law experience. So thank you very much, and we're very grateful. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure to share my story. I hope uh, yeah, uh, it will have a, I mean, someone could learn one or two things. Thank you for listening to the Lego Milestone. Please do follow us on Instagram, Lego underscore mile, and on Twitter at Lego Milestone.